are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, I'm starting a series back to our roots. It's time to get back to our roots. The book of Acts not only tells us about the church of the first century, it also provides information and inspiration for those who will be a part of the church today. The Acts of the Apostles could be more fitly named the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And for as long as the Holy Spirit lays upon my heart, we're going to camp in the book of Acts for a while. Amen? The whole book of Acts is a record of our spiritual roots. The church today has sprung from the book of Acts. When I say the church, I don't just mean the Pentecostal church. Every Bible-believing group of people, that's where we got our roots from, the book of Acts. That's where it all started. For the modern Pentecostalism, It began on January the 1st, 1901, just a little over 100 years old, when Agnes Oseman, a student at Charles F. Purim's Bethel Bible School in Topeka, Kansas, spoke in tongues. On January the 3rd, Purim and his, and a dozen other students also began to speak in tongues. Param and his followers later moved to Texas and began a spiritual revival in 1905. This was followed by what became known as the Azusa Street Revival, centered on the apostolic faith gospel mission in Azusa Street in Los Angeles led by the African-American preacher William Joseph Seymour, who had studied with Parham. In 1906, Seymour preached that God would send a new Pentecost if people prayed for one, and was rewarded when when his congregation began to speak in tongues. This sparked by a powerful religious revival driven by the three doctrines of salvation, sanctification, and baptism in the Holy Spirit, and in which the gifts of the Spirit were seen on a large scale. Over 13,000 people are said to have spoken in tongues in the first year. Now, I'm not zeroing in on tongues today. But tongues is a part of the Pentecostal movement. It has always been and always will be. Our spiritual roots, however, go back much further than 1901. The church was born in the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit power and gifts turn believers into ambassadors for Jesus Christ. The first century church was a spirit-filled church. Speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, miracles were the normal part of the life of the church. You'll find that in Acts, all over the book of Acts. This charismatic character continued to be the norm throughout the Greco-Roman world as the gospel was carried beyond Jerusalem. The early church leaders were characterized as being endowed with spiritual gifts. 
depending entirely upon the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit, based upon the very teachings of the Word of God, the teachings of Jesus Christ himself. John 14, 12, Jesus had said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the early Christianity was able to expand globally while overcoming intense persecution. The testimonies of great leaders of the first three centuries demonstrate that the gifts, including speaking in tongues, continued into the beginning of the fourth century in the church as a whole. Folks, it's time to reevaluate. Throughout the Middle Ages, the organized church eventually rejected the full gospel in favor of ritual dedicated, uh, dictated by powerful church leaders, basically known as bishops. However, God always had a remnant that believed and moved in the Holy Spirit all through the dark ages. There was a remnant that still moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. Saints were praying and various groups were experiencing God in new ways. And the human heart always cries out for spiritual intimacy in every generation. There was a time when anyone who was known to speak in tongues was said to be demon-possessed. And many were burned at the stake because of their faith. January 1, 1901 was the beginning of a worldwide revival on the scale of the day of Pentecost as recorded in the book of Acts. It is not showing any signs of waning. In, the, in fact, it is spreading all over the world. The 2000, in 2000, the year 2000, now this is 2017, so a lot of things happens in 16 years. I can tell you that. In this day and age, everything is at a rapid pace. But in 2000, there was an estimated 560 million Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled believers in the world. That's what you belong to. People who believe in the full gospel. We need to consider that we have come where we have come from and where we are now. Consider if there is a need for course correction. Consider that maybe we are straying from our roots. And if we are, get back to our roots. Our background scripture today gives us a foundation upon which we can build a life of purpose because it shows us how Jesus first gave ability or power to the disciples and then to us so that we can be empowered for real Christian living. Folks, there are people all around us who are looking for answers, answers that we have. Answers that we have experienced. Many of us in this room today have experienced divine healing in our bodies. And there are people wondering, do God still heal today? And we've got the answer. We can show them the report. Amen? First of all, let's consider the promise of Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Gathered them to, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of me, you heard from me. 
For John baptized with, with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Most people don't like to wait around very long. Jesus did not tell them how long. He just said, wait. One day went by and another day went by and another day. Ten days had gone by. He had said in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. But you will receive power. You will receive ability. That word can be translated ability as well. Ability to do the works that I have called you to do. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. That's the only way that the church can grow is by witnessing our faith, by sharing what God has done in our life, not keeping it to ourselves, but spreading it, sharing it, finding people who will give you a listening ear, and then sharing it. Then immediately Jesus ascends into heaven, and the disciples are looking up in wonder when an angel says, the Lord who has ascended from you this way is going to return in the same way. He went up in a cloud. He's coming back in a cloud. And his feet are going to, his physical feet are going to be planted on the mount. And there will begin the rule from Jerusalem. This is a promise of the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. His first, his first physical coming was as a baby. We just celebrated his birth, born of a virgin. His second coming will be as a glorified king of kings and lord of lords, and he will rule the whole earth. Secondly, consider the Great Commission. So here in Acts 1.8, we have the mission, the goal, and the purpose of this book. It is to confirm that we have power in the Holy Spirit. We can do the mighty works of God in the Holy Spirit. He said, you'll do greater things than I am doing right now. We are to walk in that power and be witnesses for him. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Wherever there is a Christian, there is to be a Christian witness. And along with that power to witness is power to heal, is power to deliver, is power to see the blind eyes open and the deaf ears open. It's time to see the lame to walk. These are things that has been given to the church, tools given to the church so that we can be powerful, so that the world can see that there is difference in the, in the, in the church than in the world. The Pentecostal movement is a missions-centered movement. And we have a great example in Nish and Christian that we have sent to Sri Lanka. Um, that's why we give to missions. So that someone can go where we can't go. Someone who has a call of God upon their life for a, a people, a nationality. And they're saying, Lord, I'll go. But they can't go unless we provide the finances for them to go. That's why we give to missions. It's, a, it's an extension of us into other lands. We are extended through our giving to missions. We are extended to Sri Lanka. We are extended to Asia. We are extended to Africa. 
We are extended to Muslim nations, to our giving. And churches all over Canada are giving like we are giving. And we are seeing as our, all of our money is put together, it amounts to a lot of money that is going to the lost and the dying and bringing more and more people to the kingdom of God. We've been a missions-centered movement ever since our beginning, over 100 years, and we must never stop being a missions movement. It is easy to get involved at home and, get, and forget missions. We need to have a healthy balance of both home and foreign missions. The POC is actively supporting new churches in Canada for immigrants with pastors from their native land who receive Jesus directly or indirectly through Pentecostal missionaries that was sent over to Africa years ago. And now from their, from their descendants, the people who accepted Jesus Christ, now they are sending back missionaries to Canada. That's how it works, folks. Hallelujah. Now, um, I have a retired friend who, for the past 20 years, he was a farmer and he also worked for the Department of Highways, grading those back roads and all of those things. But he was basically a farmer. And he has rented his land out to Erdo for just basically for cost, just to pay, pay for the taxes on the land. But everything else goes to Erdo. And so they, they come in, they sow the crop, people donate the money for the crop, they sow the crop, and then uh, farmers in the area come in when, when the harvest is ready to be harvested, they come in with their combines, they cut it, and they do whatever they do. You'll have about 10, 15 combines all in a row going down over the field, and within the day, Everything is off and in the, in the granaries. And uh, they have a great uh, a time of feasting. People from the community, it's in the Leduc area. People from the communities all around come out. They have a sort of a potluck there. And, uh, and they just have a great time. And they rejoice and pray over the, over the thing. It goes, is it goes to Erdo. And Erdo is a, is a, is a, a food uh, a grains uh, foundation that the government uh, provides, I, I'm not quite sure, I can't say, it seems like it is three or four times more than what, what they get for the grain that the government puts, Canadian government puts in with it as well to help for people that are hungry and starving all over the world. And this is not only happening in Leduc, this is happening all over Canada, farms all over Canada, all over Saskatchewan, Manitoba, all those places there are farmers who, who, who God has blessed them and they, they still, they could sell their land and get plenty of money for it, but instead they decide to just let Erdo have it and grow the grain so that people can be helped. And that's another part of missions. It's amazing what God is doing. And so we also have long-term and short-term mission projects where people go out for six months or a year and, and uh, use their trade, whatever trade they have, so that they can use it in some other country. But at the same time, they are spreading the gospel in small groups and things like that. And uh, then we have missionaries in restricted access areas. We have missionaries that we are supporting that we cannot mention their name because they're in restricted access areas. And if, some, if the wrong people got a hold of their name, they could be in very deep trouble. They would be imprisoned, probably even, even killed. So uh, that is how important it is. And uh, we have, a, we have a, a person that we are supporting and uh, is hitting up a lot of, of those things. We have missionaries whose lives are in constant danger. Just, uh, just a, 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 this past year, we have a missionary who was in, and his wife who was in China for 30 years. And they ran a, a coffee house and did ministry on the side. And for the last 
three years of their, their tenure over there, they were in prison. He was in prison for three years. And he was just released this year when Mr. Trudeau got in. And uh, they made some negotiations with China, and he was released. And he's now back living in, uh, in uh, British Columbia. So these are real things that are happening to real people. Young men and women, as well as older, are still answering the call and still willing to give their life for the cause of the gospel. And you and I have got the easy part. All we got to do is dig into our wallet and give a little bit of money. And our little bit, with little bit that everyone else gives is a whole lot. And it's helping to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, how we need to be sensitive to what the Spirit is saying to us. There, there is a part for everyone in God's kingdom to play. Be ready to answer the call when he calls. There's an old song we used to sing one time. Ready to go. Ready to stay. Ready my place to fill. Ready for service, lowly or great. Ready to do his will. Paul said it best in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then can they call upon him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? God may not have called you to preach, but listen to this. This applies to every one of us. How shall they preach unless they be sent? We can send them. Our mission is to reach the lost at home and abroad, to be a witness to every lost soul, to be willing to go where you can and to send in places where you cannot go. My Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will raise, who he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. There's a lot of different applications, but let me place this one on for this, this message do you understand what this means? This is more than a spiritual reality, folks. This same spirit will affect my mortal body, your mortal body, our flesh. It will drive out fear of man and give us courage and power to stand for Jesus. And so many of us are afraid that if we mention Jesus, we're going to be ridiculed. We're so, so afraid that someone will laugh at us, call us a name. And yet, he has given us this precious Holy Spirit so that we would be bold, so that we would stand up and say, I believe in Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. Let me tell you how I came to know him. This is why Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, Do not leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The church, no matter what denominational tag you hang on the door, still needs the power of Pentecost. Still needs the Holy Ghost power to do the work of God that God intends for his church to do. If every church in North America had the same results that we had as a church, Cole Community Church. What would the results be, I wonder? 
If every church, if every community of churches, like our community, had the same results that we have here in Coal Lake, how would the gospel be spread? I wonder. Would the revival in Argentina have been so great if the church, the believers who accepted Jesus Christ had kept things to themselves? Would the revival in Brazil be so great if the church had kept it to themselves inside of the walls of their buildings? Would the revival that has swept through Africa be as great? We have to take stock. And if we would be honest, every one of us would be honest, we would say, Lord, over the years that I've known you, I could have done a lot better. I could have done a lot more. I could have contributed to your kingdom in a lot greater ways. I could have spoken up instead of laughing at those filthy jokes that was told in the lunchroom. You see, God is doing something. This past week was a prayer and fasting week and it is the best, the strongest, the most powerful prayer time that I have seen for the last 15 years that I've been in this community. You people are coming alive. You're excited. You want God to move. It's not fanatical. It is just a heart that is crying out to God and saying, Lord, I want you. I want your Holy Spirit to move. I want to see my sons and my daughters healed. I want to see them come into the family of God. I want to see the miracle working power of God come back into the church just like it was in the day of Acts. And folks, when people begin to believe that way, God is going to do something. His heart is crying out for a people that will call out to him and say, Lord, I'm available. And what we make available, he will make able. We don't have to worry about our abilities. The Holy Spirit ability will overcome everything that is weak in my life and in yours. Same power caused disciples to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. They preached with power and boldness. The sick were healed. The lame walked. The blind saw. The lepers were cleansed. Devils were cast out. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. They were tortured. They were killed and others were threatened. And yet they boldly declared in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than man. It's time to forget and say, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I've got a faith in God and I'm going to proclaim it and I'm going to live it. And if there's any cleaning up needed to be done in my life, I'm going to ask God to do it. I'm going to ask him to forgive me for anything that I'm doing wrong and I'm going to walk in that straight and that narrow way. Amen. Consider the importance of the Spirit and the Word. I believe that we must preach the Word in all of its fullness. Shame on me if I'm afraid to speak the truth to the people that I love, to the people that God has called me to, to help you and to strengthen you to become a great army for the Lord. If you, the people, truly believe and receive the word of God, good things are going to happen. Amen? God has promised to honor his word. Listen to this. This is a little quote I've got here. One preacher was quoted as saying, When we have the word without the spirit, we are often dull and dry. 
And wherever you see the word without the spirit, it's boring. Church is boring when you just got the word without the spirit. When you have the spirit without the word, you have a tendency towards fanaticism. And we don't want that either. Confusion and out of order. But listen to this. He said, when we have the word and the spirit, then we are then fully prepared to do the work that God has called us to do. We want a balance in this church of the Word and the Spirit. That is why we got such programs as a midweek service where you get the Word of God pumped into you and you can go out knowing what the Word of God says and you're not wondering if you're working, walking in the will of God or you're walking in the flesh because the Word of God will be in you and it will burn like a fire and you will be convicted in your spirit when you're walking in the wrong way. We have the voice that's going to be powerful. You will learn how to hear the voice of God. You will learn how to walk in the Spirit rather than in the flesh. You will learn how to be filled with the Spirit. And you will learn how to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit so you can be a powerful force to be reckoned with in the world, in your home, in your community, and in your church. Real church groweth. Within and without comes when you have the Word and the Spirit working hand in hand. It's not either or, it is both together. You'll be spreading the gospel, the salvation on a larger scale than you've ever seen before. And healings and deliverance and all the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be in operation as we walk in the Word and in the Spirit at the same time. God has placed so much emphasis on his word, on his written word, that only fools would ignore it. Yet millions consider it just another book. And some people even dare to say, it's not the word of God, it just contains the word of God. And when they say that, they're saying, it's everything in there is not the word of God, and so it's, you pick and choose. But listen to what God says. 2 Peter 1, 20, verse 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Again in 2 Timothy 3, 15, and 16. All Scripture. Oh, I love those alls of the Bible. All. When you see an all, you pay attention to that. Because it means something. All means all. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, for correction, For instruction in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Again, in John 8, verse 31 to 32, and we could have used a whole lot of other scriptures as well, but these three should suffice today. Then Jesus said to those disciples which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. God's word is truth. God's word will make you free. Amen? Hallelujah. There's always a danger that we will forget the source of our power. I remember years ago, the Daytona 500 auto race. 
It was on the beginning of the third lap. The race car driven by one of the top professional drivers of the time in the sport rolled to a stop. The problem? He ran out of gas. And get this, at the beginning of the third lap, someone on his team who was responsible for filling that tank with gas forgot to do so. Wow. I'm reminded of the parable of Jesus that he told of the ten virgins. The wise kept their lamps full and brightly burning and the foolish slept and their lamps went out. This is not a time to live carelessly. We have a proven record in the book of Acts. It works. It works. The church began in the power of the Holy Spirit. It makes good sense to continue in the power of the Holy Spirit. If it worked to start the church, I think we need to continue until it's finished. The moment you received Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit not only came to indwell you, but he imparted spiritual gifts, spiritual life to you. Being indwelt, and, being indwelt and filled with the Holy Spirit are two different experiences. I want you to know that. The Holy Spirit baptism is a, a distinct experience apart from salvation. And salvation, I'm talking about the day you used to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, he came in by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now indwells you. Okay? But there's a difference being empowered, Jesus said, to people who are already serving him. Don't leave Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is that power. Amen? <clears throat> you could say that at salvation, <clears throat> you get all of the Holy Spirit. Because he comes to dwell in you. But when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, he gets all of you. Amen? You give him control of your life. You say, Lord, use me. I'll speak for you. I'll prophesy for you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll teach. I'll preach. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. The Holy Spirit continually lives us, lives in us. He fills us when he baptizes us. In Ephesians 5:18 says, "Don't be drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit." If you desire to be filled with the Spirit, you need to confess any known sin. Folks, it's a Holy Spirit. He's not an unholy Spirit. He's a Holy Spirit. And so we need to be saying, Lord, Cleanse my heart. That bad attitude that I have, take it away. Lord, that spirit where I'm criticizing, a critical spirit, take it away. Holy Spirit spoke through to our sister this morning. Value your brother and sister in Christ. Don't think that somehow you have arrived and that what you have to say for the Lord is, is good, it's right, it's powerful. But your brother here, 
he, he couldn't have possibly heard from God. Why I know what he has done. Let the Holy Spirit move through your brother. Let the Holy Spirit move through your sister. Appreciate what God says to you through him, through her. God is calling for unity back into the church again. We need to get off our high horses. We need to be humble people. We need to realize that God can speak through a man or a woman, a boy or a girl who just gave their heart to Jesus just as well as he can, can speak through a seasoned saint. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. We are born again by the blood of Jesus that's what it's all about. Oh my, I'm getting late here. I got to stop. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Are you saying, Lord, I want more of you? Lord, I want to operate in the Holy Spirit, whatever that looks like for me. I don't have to be like my brother. I don't have to be like my sister. But Lord, what does that mean for me? I want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. Well, we know that it's his will that we would walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So if we ask him for something that is according to his will, he will do it. We're believers. We believe it. It's ours. Jesus will not deceive you. He promised to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, 13. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him who ask him? He's a good, good father. We sing it sometimes. He's a good, good father. He gives good, good gifts to his children. He will give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks him. And don't, don't judge your experience against somebody else. Don't compare it against what somebody else has. It's an experience that is definitely prepared for you. For you. And God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Some people will dance and shout. Others will not. It's not about feelings. It's not about sight. It's about faith. You receive Jesus Christ into your life by faith. You receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit by faith. You receive healing by faith. You see your children, your sons and your daughters, your mothers and your fathers, your brothers and your sisters saved by faith. Everything we do is by faith. And hallelujah, the Holy Spirit strengthens us in that area. So what about feelings? Though people may have various emotional responses being filled with the Holy Spirit, feelings depends on on the individual, your emotional makeup. So don't ever gauge what God is doing in your life because you don't feel something. Learn what the Word of God says about your situation. Believe it, stand up on it, and it will be yours. Just as salvation is a free gift by faith, so is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The initial evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit is in the book of Acts. It reveals several accounts of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Acts, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, uh, 120, in the upper room, the 120 in the upper room spoke with tongues. In the house of Cornelius, a house full of Gentiles spoke with tongues and magnified God when Peter was preaching. Acts chapter 10, verse 46. Ephesians believers spoke with tongues and prophesied. Acts chapter 19. The, whole, the apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 9, 17. And we don't have any detail, details there. But Paul did say later in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, I speak with tongues more than you all. I'm a, more of a tongue talker than you are. Other evidence that they were filled with the Holy Spirit was the inward authority and the power and the passion they produced as witnesses of Jesus Christ. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you gain a new and a fresh power in your life, a desire to serve him, to love him, a greater capacity to love your brother and sister and live in unity with God's people. They exhibit the power to be witnesses, as stated in G, uh, by Jesus in Acts 1 and 8. They operated in spiritual gifts, miracles, signs, and wonders. They operated in dreams and visions as well as prophetic. And they became generous volunteer givers to the Lord's work. And anything less is drifting away from our roots. We want to get back to our roots. And so in conclusion, and this is just a quote and I'm finished. Charles Finney, a spirit-filled evangelical Christian who once pastored a Presbyterian church, wrote how God gave him mighty infillings of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he said this, It went through me as it seemed body and soul. I immediately found myself endued with such power from on high that a few words dropped here and there to individuals were the means of their immediate conversion. A few words dropped here and there. Not a big sermon, but just a few words caused immediate conversion. He said, my words seemed to fasten like barbed arrows in the souls of men. They cut like a sword. They broke the heart like a hammer. And multitudes can attest to this. And then he goes on to say, sometimes I would find myself in great measure of empty, empty of this power. I would go and visit and find that I made no saving impression. It was like he was on a plateau, just maintaining. He said, then I would exhort and pray with the same results. I would then set apart a day for private fasting and prayer. And after humbling myself and crying out for help, the power would return upon me with all of its freshness. And this has been the experience of my life. And folks, in getting back to our roots, we're going to find that many times in 2017, we're going to have to fall on our knees before God and say, Lord, I started well in 17. Lord, I, I was so determined. I was reading my Bible every day. I was praying. I was seeking your face. I was just moving in the spirit. But Lord, I've cooled off again. Lord, I need a fresh infilling. I need a new, a new fire upon my life. I need a new infilling. I need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. One baptism, but many fillings, folks. Keep that in mind. You've got to keep pressing in. You've got to keep pressing in. And folks, if we're going to be the old New Testament church in this community, then this is the way we're going to have to live. The way that you're feeling today, the way that you're sensing the power and the presence of God today, the way you're wanting God to move right now, this is what has to be a part of your life. Not just on Sunday, but it's got to be carried through.
through during the week. You've got to find a place to get a quiet place with God and speak to him and tell him your heart and let your Holy Spirit speak back to you. Let his word speak to you. Come back to church next Sunday with the same fire, the same intention. Don't cool off. Don't get back into that lazy rut that we can get into. But oh, let's let the Spirit of God move by His Spirit. You're the only way you're going to see the miracles that you are craving in your life and in your family and in your community is if you pour your heart out to God and say, Lord, here am I. Do whatever you have to do in my life and I am yours. I'm available. In the mighty name of Jesus. This has been a great service, folks. But oh, God wants to do so much more. God wants to do so much more. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessing upon us as a congregation. Let your Holy Spirit just permeate our lives. We don't want to leave this place until you have done your plan and your purpose and your will for us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for coming, guys. Just be open to the Holy Spirit. Who knows what he's going to do next? Amen. If anyone wants to know Jesus as your Savior, just come forward and I want to pray with you. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.